Good morning, everybody. Thanks, Joshi. You're lucky. In my, um, in my lessons, I make them all stand behind their chairs and say, good morning, Mrs. Taylor, but we won't do that today. Um, so I have um, the privilege of speaking to you um, the last, um, I believe, in our series on um, consecration. And I've called it Crossing the Jordan because um, it's, in effect, um, what happened when the Lord spoke this word that we've been looking at, um, the verse in Joshua, um, which is... Um, um, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And um, the crossing the Jordan, um, I'll just kind of talk about the fact that it's moving from one place to another. Um, and that's what we want to do. Um, as a church, we've been pressing into that promise. They're consecrating ourselves to the Lord. And as a bit of background, just before God spoke this promise, Israel had been um, they'd been cleansed of, uh, of the disobedience of that exodus generation. Um, and they're now ready to move forward with God's plan for his chosen nation. They're about to claim the promised land and establish the nation that embodies the kingdom values as a witness to the world of God's love and sovereignty. Last week, Nigel talked about um, this circumcision ceremony that the Israelites went through on the other side of the Jordan to sort of symbolize and solidify um, that commitment to the Lord and how we can make sure our hearts are um, kind of reflect that commitment to holiness. We feel like we're on the cusp of going further in our individual and corporate walks with God. And we want to do those same things that embody kingdom values that can express God's love and his plan to the people around us. So what we want to look at today are those kind of steps that are necessary for Israel then to accomplish God's plan. And that will show us now in 2018 how we can establish a life and a community that embodies the kingdom values that we so desperately want to see in our church, our family and our communities. Um, So essentially crossing the Jordan represents a movement towards Um, links in quite nicely to another series we've um, just finished looking at with emotionally healthy spirituality and maturity within the church community. It's the gradual fulfillment of Jesus' prayer, thy kingdom come, and it's a dynamic working of God's initiation in, in our hearts and our role in doing what he has asked us to do. So stepping out in the faith that God will come when we ask him to. So in the Old Testament, to maintain maintain this kind of lifestyle, God gave kind of ritual, um, moral and social laws that were to be strictly kept. Um, We don't kind of follow those same kind of um, religious things now because Jesus has come. But um, just looking back, we can kind of see some interesting parallels. The act of consecration was an act whereby Israel Israel had purified herself and recommitted herself to the lifestyle of holiness that God was asking. Um, In another version of Joshua 3.5, instead of consecrate, it says perform ceremonies. And it's something that we um, actively do. Uh, We make a choice to do it. So Israel was reminded of God's holiness and the requirement that they were to be a holy people. And as it was with Israel... Um, so it, so it is with us. Um, we don't need to be like walking through jello, but I just thought that was a quite nice little, um, illustration of, um, something that we step out. And even though there's stuff all around us, 
God will cut a clear path. Um, We want to examine our lives and our communities and our ministries with regard to these three areas before we seek to move forward. It's not just a one-time ceremony that we perform, this consecration, but a journey on which God refines us and makes us holy. So um, I'm going to be taking most of this talk to work through Romans 12 and how we can apply these three main areas, so in, up, out, um, as this gives us a frame for, framework for how we, how we can consecrate ourselves why we do it, and what the results of these actions are in our lives of faith. So over the last couple of weeks, I've read about 12 or 13 different versions of Romans 12. And in fact, I did just kind of toy with the idea of reading those 12 or 13 versions for the entire four-hour sermon. Just joking, it's only going to be half an hour. Um, Because uh, each one encapsulates something relevant for our desire to be consecrated to the Lord. Um, So in your own time this week, I'd encourage you to look at a few different versions and see the different nuances and the different uh, spins that that different wording and language can put on it. Um, Last week, Nigel's talk reminded us of the ways that we can be connected and consecrated to God. So looking upwards, our relationship with God, um, inwards in terms of our relationship with each other and outwards our ministries and how we are looking to advance the kingdom. So today, after listening, we'll have a chance to respond to whatever area you think God might be putting his finger on. Um, So Romans 12 does cover all these things, but not quite in the order that I want to talk about them today. So you'll have to forgive the jumping around to the sections in non-chronological order. Uh, Maybe if I was a real preacher, I would have worked out how to make my talk fit the shape of the chapter Uh, However, what you've got is a teacher today, and even though it's half-term, I'm going to ask you to do some work. Uh, Don't worry, it's not very much. Um, As we work through the first section of Romans, um, I'm going to get you, there's some post-its on the first row of your chair, and I would encourage you to take a couple. Um, If you need some pens, the host team will come around, um, and they will give you one to write with. You could use your phone if you like, but I find, and I tell my students this, that the act of writing something down um, really helps you take ownership and remember it. Um, so it's, um, it's not very much, it's just one word. So um, we're going to look at the first section of Romans, and um, the one word that I'd like you to do is one word or phrase that sticks out to you in this section. So we're first looking at the message version in respect to holiness, which is um, being separated out from the world. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me 
and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way for us to understand ourselves is by what God is, but what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. So for the visual learners among us, I've just put it up in a slightly brighter pattern there. Have a think. What is it that sticks out to you? The first section is up on the screen now. For me, it's the phrase, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us. It's, a, it's an interesting thought in a world where we're trying to, people are trying to find themselves and discover who they are. But the Bible says that the only way we can really know ourselves is to know what God is and what he does for us. It is an interesting dichotomy because we need to give our life holistically, the sleeping, the eating, the going to work, all of those little parts of ourselves. Um, We need to give all of that to God to then be separated out, um, separated out of the world. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to put his finger on some of these things that instead of offering to God, we keep separate from him. Our exercise, our diet, our sleep, or rather, lack of sleep. It used to be the cliched response into the how are you question would be, oh, fine, even when you're not. But now we say, oh, busy. Where do we prioritize consecrating our bodies as living sacrifices? Uh, D.L. Moody, who is the famous Bible scholar um, and preacher, used to say the only problem with living sacrifices is that they crawl off the altar. And so a question we might need to think about is, how can we still ourselves um, to stay there? I've been listening to a podcast recently. I've been uh, working a little bit more, so I've been commuting a little bit more. And I've been listening to a podcast as I drive in and out. Um, And it's called Feel Better, Live More by Dr. Rongan Chatterjee. Um, You might know him from, he did the BBC series Doctor in the House. It's not a particularly faith-driven podcast, but a lot of what he says really resonates with um, a simpler way of thinking and being, allowing more time and space in our hearts and minds for the Lord to speak into. He's not just interested in our devotional life, but he is interested in every detail of our lives. So some questions for us to think about are, are we eating food that doesn't honor our bodies or nourish us? because we're looking for comfort or release from pain or boredom? Are we not sleeping as much as we should because we're spending too much time on screens and can't wind down or just watching one more episode on Netflix? These things aren't bad in themselves. It's just what we do with them. That's why what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago is still relevant. Take your everyday life and place it as an offering before the Lord. So could you think of other things that we could fit into this? Those sort of physical, habitual things that we all do all the time, sometimes without even thinking. Maybe the picking up our phone life or the amount of times we check our emails life, our playlist life or our browsing history life or our bank statement life. I think the Lord is asking us to place these before him as an offering. 
And the amazing thing is that whatever we bring to God, whether we are proud of it or we're ashamed of it, he works his transformation through Jesus to change it to an offering to him. When we do this, God promises that we will be changed from the inside out and then we will be able to readily recognize what it is that he wants from us and quickly respond to it. That's that verse in the first section of Romans. Um, in that same podcast, you can see there's a, the little word play there, mindful or mindful. Um, it's talked about being more mindful and, and um, we know that um, Steve and Jeanette Pratt were on a brilliant mindfulness course here, which really um, helps with the pace of life. Um, and it talks about being more mindful, not just rushing around, lurching from one activity, one workday, kids club, church meeting to the next, but being aware of what we are doing and why we're doing it. Last week, Nigel was talking again about some of the tools we've learned from the emotionally healthy spirituality, including the rule of life. When do we take time out of our busy lives to prioritize our physical, our mental, our spiritual well-being? I really believe that when we do, we'll find we have more capacity to readily recognize what God is saying and then be free to respond to it. These things are linked. The submitting of our everyday existence to God as an offering to him and then letting him show us what to do with it. So the second aspect of this in, involves just kind of practical wisdom. Oops, went too far. Practical wisdom um, in living our lives in community with each other. So this is taken from the next bit of Romans 12. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Every part gets its meaning from the body as the whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Oh, thank you. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to each other or trying to be something we aren't. I love the freedom that this gives us. Since we are all unique, we all bring something to the table that nobody else can give. So I love this saying, be yourself, everybody else is already taken. Um, and I often used it uh, with my own children and the students I teach. It's a challenge for sure not to look at each other and think, oh, I wish I had her job or if I didn't have to work so much or if I didn't have three children, if I didn't have any children or if I only had children um, or he makes more so, so much more money than me, um, I could do this. But this allows us, and, and what Romans 12 allows us, that we can just go ahead and be who we were made to be. Um, I thought if you'd like it in slightly plainer English, Dr. Zeus also has a good opinion. Today you are you, that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. And that um, affirmation that God has created you, specifically designed you with a purpose and plan, is so freeing um, that it really can allow us to move into whatever it is that he wants us to do. 
Um, the next slide um, I've taken from the easy to read version. I didn't know that existed before either. Um, so it spells out the next section of Romans 12 like this. Your love must be real. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love each other in a way that makes you feel close like brothers and sisters. And give, you, give each other more honor than you give yourself. As you serve the Lord, work hard and don't be lazy. Be excited about serving him. Be happy because of the hope you have. Be patient when you have troubles. Pray all the time. Share with God's people who need help. Look for people who need help and welcome them into your homes. Um, in that version where it says, be excited about serving him, um, in the message it says, keep yourself fueled and aflame. And like the song we sang today, I'm gathering wood for the fire, I'm filling my lamp um, with the oil. And that might sound a little bit weird to sing, but actually it's about intention. And um, it's also part of that thing where if we want to consecrate ourselves, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves ready for God, and then he does the rest. So let's have a quick look at these um, in slightly more detail they are really challenging. Um, that cling to what is good, holding tightly to what is good, is harder than believing. Oh, I'm going to quickly. Harder than believing um, that the other person is out to get you, especially when you're in conflict with someone. All you can feel is that um, that anger or that frustration. And actually, the the Bible is asking us to cling to the good stuff that we know. It's being mindful of our thoughts and our feelings and our reactions and choosing our responses. Loving each other in a way that makes us feel like family. Um, and as I've recently experienced, loving each other like family, even when it's your own family, can be really hard. Um, in the summer, I was challenged by the Lord in an area of family conflict. Um, I had a very difficult email that I had the choice to either um, I had to try and spiritualize my role away in it. Um, the family member who sent me the email wasn't particularly walking with the Lord. Um, he was kind of lashing out in anger. And besides, email is never a good way to bring up conflict. I was really tempted first to just minimize involve my involvement because we weren't on a level playing field. Plus, he had really annoyed me when he had come to stay with us from another number of different sibling um, things I won't go into detail about now. Uh, I had a, a, to be honest, I had a little bit of a spiritual superiority complex, uh, although quickly um, and ironically realized that that wasn't very mature. Uh, I then was tempted to just apologize for everything and not challenge the things that were not true just for the sake of keeping the peace. It's a tricky tightrope to walk sometimes, but with the Lord's grace and through ever so slightly gritted teeth, I did a balance of both, and I did not bring up the extra annoyances that didn't have anything to do with the original conflict. I did try to apologize for my part on the whole business, uh, yet lovingly confront the truth. I'm not sure how resolved it is still on the other family member's part, but the Lord made it clear that I needed to have a clear heart before him, and this is how he was asking me to do it. So with grace, we are working on loving each other like family. <coughs> 
So um, just slightly changing tax. Another um, way that we can do this to keep living out being consecrated to God is through community. Um, and I'm going to here give a shameless plug for life groups. Um, they've only just started. So if you haven't signed up, there's still time to get involved because they are a really key part in making you feel like you are part of something. Recently, I met with a group of friends and we chatted about our best life groups ever. Um, I'll be completely honest, it started a lot about talking, uh, the, the food was a central area. Um, some of the memories were about that sharing those meals together. But most then we moved on to talking about the love and support that we had all found in these groups. Um, members of the body that just supported each other through marriage breakdowns, through deaths, through family conflict, through exploring faiths and doubts. Staying consecrated um, to the Lord is something that we do in community. We, we pray for each other through traumatic work experiences, um, passing down wisdom, praying for babies, for jobs. And it, it is something that we need to do in community. And I think it's interesting that Joshua says in the verse that we've started out with that when we consecrate ourselves, it's something that we do personally, but also corporately. He doesn't say consecrate yourself to the Lord. He says consecrate yourselves for the Lord uh, for tomorrow. He will do amazing things among you. So this is not just about ourselves, but about how we interact with each other. Um, your own church family, but it also applies to our attitudes um, within the wider body of Christ. Um, if you hadn't listened to Jo's um, talk on the, uh, the first section of this series, um, she very humbly shared a bit of revelation that she had, that the Lord had told her something that was separating her from him. And this week I also had a little bit of a wake-up call. Um, many of you know, teach, uh, know that I teach in a Catholic school and God has been using this in my life to work through some of the judgmental attitudes um, that I've held about the other parts of the bodies of Christ. Um, so I've already repented for thinking they'd missed out on some of the Holy Spirit stuff and for the way I had um, thought they stuck so rigidly to the rules. And I've come to appreciate the way that they take the liturgy at a slower pace and cherish the word of God. However, God is not finished with me, and he is gracious, and he knew that I had this talk coming up and that you could appreciate some real-life illustrations. So it just so happened that my first lesson on Friday was year seven, which just so happened to fall at the same time as their whole year group celebration mass. Now, I, um, I did walk over to the church from school, and I didn't have to walk over with any of the children. So I did, it was a beautiful morning just like this, and I did take the opportunity to say, right, I'm going to enjoy this walk over. Um, and I think that being in that place, the Lord softened my heart as I walked over, drawing my attention to the sky that morning and how he had arranged the clouds just the way I like them. He did, and um, it just spoke some words of love and affirmation to me. We are going to celebrate communion today, just as they did at the Year 7 Mass, although we're going to do it in a pretty different way, I must say. Um, having been brought up in Vineyard um, fairly thoroughly, I've always been a rip and dip kind of girl. Um, and in the past, it had bothered me that unless you were confirmed in the Catholic Church, you couldn't take communion there, even though we believe the same things. 
um, the deacon was serving communion alongside the priest and they invited everybody to the altar, including all of the Muslim and Hindu girls, um, and there are quite a lot at our school. um, uh, They invited them all up to receive a special blessing for those not taking the Eucharist. And so I have to confess, I had been... During the service, I'd been pretty judgy at the way the deacon had been standing. He'd been standing in a very rigid posture with his arms folded like this. And I was like, oh, come on. Um, Really? And then the Holy Spirit um, nudged me. And instead of, say, you know, instead of agreeing with me that it seems so rigid and pious, he said, how do you know he is not doing this out of his awe and reverence for me? And he was right. When I went up to receive the the blessing, the deacon, who I had thought was so stuffy and ceremonial, looked at me so kindly, and he touched my forehead with the oil so gently and prayed a blessing on me. And he saw that we were part of one body. Even those girls who are still on their um, journey to meeting Jesus, and he didn't judge me or them for it. So I was very humbled, and I spent the rest of the service in the church um, slightly misty-eyed, and, um, and, and very grateful at the gentle way that the Lord had revealed my prejudice and instead of judging me or condemning me for it, had given me his blessing. Um, so um, just as an encouragement that um, sometimes when we, you know, we have these areas of conflict in our life or these areas where sometimes we're not even aware of prejudice, and, and we are worried that the Lord is going to think less of us because of them. I think there's just such real grace today to, to open ourselves up to the Lord and say, where is it that I could do a bit better? Okay, so we're going to um, now look at the outward-facing um, aspect of consecration. And he gives, Paul gives us really practical advice uh, for what the actions of a consecrated person looks like depending on our giftings. So this is the um, last section um, in verses 6 to 8. So if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. So I'm going to get you to keep, get your pens again. And I'm going to um, ask you to take a moment to think about which one applies most in your day-to-day serving, whether that's your job, your ministry, or your home. And I'm going to get you to apply another little bit of teaching jargon here. When we um, give feedback, we'll often say WWW and EBI. And that translates to um, what went well and even better if. So, for example, do you do well at the encouraging guidance? uh, But could you do even better if uh, you didn't do it so bossily? So have have a little moment to think about where it is that this applies most to you and maybe what you are what you're already doing well but what could you do even better if
Okay. So well, in my case, I have a lot of people I work with that are disadvantaged, maybe financially, um, maybe emotionally. Their behavior can definitely be annoying and sometimes irritating and sometimes downright counterproductive. Although in pretty much every case, if I have to talk to the head of year or another colleague about it and say, this kid, I'll call her Jane. Jane is driving me crazy. And inevitably, when we scratch the surface, they'll be going through some kind of hardship. I can only imagine. So like this girl, Jane, who was so neglected, her, her behavior in class was awful. And I, I was, went to somebody else to talk about it, saying, what are we going to do? And she, that my colleague said, oh, did you know, um, last year she was so neglected, she kept getting nits, only her mother couldn't be bothered to sort it out with the proper stuff so she just shaved her head she was 12 years old she had to wear a wig to school um, and deal with the embarrassment of having no hair every day would be reminded she wasn't cared about in her own home her behavior was challenging it but it reminds me that sometimes our battles are not outward like Jane's but inward and part of our act of consecration is living out God's mercy to people who don't deserve it in our eyes after all aren't we those people as well? So God reminds me to keep a smile on my face for them. Um, Paul then goes on to talk about how we deal with the world around us. It's pretty countercultural in our dog-eat-dog, very sharp-elbowed society. Um, this is the last part of the chapter from Romans. Wish only good for those who treat you badly. Ask God to bless them, not curse them. When others are happy, you should be happy with them. And when others are sad, you should be sad too. Live together in peace with each other. Don't be proud, but be willing to be friends with people who are not important to others. Don't think of yourself as smarter than everyone else. If someone does you wrong, don't try and pay them back by hurting them. Try to do what everyone thinks is right. Do the best you can to live in peace with everyone. My friends, don't try to punish anyone who does wrong to you. Wait for God to punish them with his anger. In the scriptures, the Lord says, I'm the one who punishes. I will pay people back. But you should do this. If you have enemies who are hungry, give them something to eat. If you have enemies who are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will make them feel ashamed. Don't let evil defeat you but defeat evil by doing good. I know in my own life when people have hurt or rejected me, I've not really wanted to wish only good for them or ask God to treat them well. In fact, most of the time I've swung the other way, saying, God, just let them get what they deserve. But reading this section of Romans is really humble, um, humbling if we want to live in a state of being consecrated. And it goes back to the beginning where we place our everyday lives on the altar and offer it as a sacrifice and the comforting thing is we can place those feelings on the altar and let God deal with them some of our friends in the village made me think about this when their office was broken into they run a successful printing company had several expensive computers and other technical equipment stolen uh, probably costing the company not just an insurance excess um, and increased premiums but time and that feeling that they'd been violated she shared this the story but put this picture up the next day on facebook the real test is being kind to unkind people 
when I was searching for that picture to put up on um, in the PowerPoint, I was reminded of this one as well. Everyone that you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind, always. And when we affirm the humanity that God so treasures in all of us, this keeps us closer to his heart and his purpose. So we're going to move into a time of response now. Um, There will be communion. We're going to share it in it together by um, tearing off some of the bread and dipping it into the wine. Um, There will be gluten-free available. I think we normally have gluten-free at this um, top left, your right um, corner. Um, But what we're going to do is use it as a time of reflection on what the Lord has been saying throughout the talk. Um, So you've got the post-it notes around you. Um, If we could have the band to come back up, please. Um, Thinking through the different areas that we want to consecrate to the Lord, feel free to think about each one and write down what the Lord is asking you to either pick up or put down. Last week, Nicole had a brilliant word about um, not taking old clothes into a new season. Some of the things that you've been carrying around are not appropriate for when we cross the Jordan metaphorically and we move into this new season with the amazing things that God is going to do among us. Um, What is God for the upward? Um, What is God saying to you about your walking around every day, eating, drinking and going to work life? Are there any barriers between you and him? Or for the inward, are there areas like, like where, like me, you've been quick to judge? Or maybe in a more positive light, something you've been wanting to do for ages, like joining a life group or having a great idea about serving, but just haven't gotten around to it. Like I said at the beginning, sometimes our act of writing things down makes it more concrete and easier to act on. For outward, perhaps you need to write down the name of someone you need to forgive someone who wasn't kind to you when you were fighting a tough battle. Or in in another light, it's an idea that God has given you for a community Sunday where you want to reach out to your neighbors or write a prayer for someone in a difficult situation. So this might look a little bit messy, but we're going to take sort of 10 minutes to do this now. Um, We'll have the people um, up to serve communion. Um, If you could come now, that would be great. So... Take this time with the Lord, and um, we have got time before we need to get children. Um, I I really believe that God has something for everyone today, something that is going to move us forward into the promised land and next season. He has for us as individuals and as our Winvin Church family. So you're free to respond however you want. If you want to take communion first and then go and think about the things that the Lord's asking you to do, Or if you want to do it the other way around, it's up to you. Um, But we'll just close in prayer and then I'll hand over to Amy and the band. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for paving the way for us to be consecrated to you. And Lord, we're so grateful also that you have good plans for us and, and that you have promised that you're going to do amazing things among us. Holy Spirit, we just come and invite you to be present among us. 
to reveal our hearts, areas that we can consecrate to you, things that you want to speak into our hearts. We ask you to come and do this now in Jesus' name.